Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. My interview partner today is former member of the European Parliament and president of the Club of Rome, Anders Wigman. He is also member of the Swedish Royal Academy of Sciences and chair of Climate Kick. Anders Wigman, it's a great pleasure to have you on and uh, thank you for your willingness to participate in the Club of Rome Rethinking Finance Hub. What is your opinion as to how to get going again? Um, based on the lessons that we are learning and we could learn? Well, I'm not, I'm, I don't have a background in, in the financial sector, but, but let me give you a few comments. Um, one is I think we have to, to look beyond the financial sector. We have to look at the macroeconomics picture and how the economy is organized, the cost structure of the economy, uh, the fact that it's very cheap, often it costs nothing to, to make use of nature uh, and to pollute. And if you look at our taxation system, uh, it's, it's very, very skewed. Only about 5% of taxes and fees are related to environment, energy and pollution and resource use. Uh, the rest is, um, is on income, uh, uh, VAT, etc. So, so the whole the cost structure is flawed, um, and uh, that, of course, affects how people invest their money. Um, um, and, and you refer to the liquid the, 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 the easy money that was the result of the financial crisis. Well, uh, it has, of course, contributed to a further uh, destruction of many vital ecosystems. Uh, and, and most of that, those investments are, are increasing debts. So, so, so we have a, a rather touchy situation there. Uh, part of the money has gone into assets, leading to an inflation in, in asset prices. And very little has gone to ordinary people. Uh, so we also have inequalities building up. So, so I think that there are so many issues that, that is not only a question for the financial sector, but really a question for for economics uh, and to rethink economics, the discounting of, of the future that we are entertaining, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think we, we, need a, we need to rethink economics. Um, uh, and if we don't do that, we may, in, in parts of the economy, do the right kind of things. I mean, for instance, start investing more in renewable technology, fine. But if we want the economy as a whole, to start moving in the right direction. I, I believe we have to look at, at macroeconomics and the overriding policy frameworks. I couldn't agree more. And you are an expert in circular um, economy. There are various models, whether we call them donut economy or mm -hmm. circular or blue economy. Can you give us a few hints like what are the top five priorities that we should address also from from the policy perspective from the legal perspective and how are we going to reinforce uh, the laws that are not there yet and then well, of course it, this is a bigger conversation uh, which has to do with the mindset and the mind shift that we need to occur so Please give us your thinking um, around Well, this. I mean, if we have to rethink economics, <clears throat> we also have to rethink education 
and the organizational science. I mean, I, could, I can go back to, to, uh, to the Enlightenment in the 17th and 18th century, which was, of course, a, a huge step in the right direction where you put knowledge at the center. But we, we have a legacy of a very reductionistic way of, of uh, creating knowledge. And the scientific community is organized in silos. There are, I don't know how many thousand disciplines and sub-disciplines, but tell me how many programs are there to look at the whole and to integrate knowledge from, from different, different sectors. And what you, what, you, what you refer to, namely mindset or mind shift, I, I think we have, look at climate change, for instance, we should have brought in behavioral scientists at the beginning. I don't think those who, who deal with, with climate from the natural science point of view have much to say how you communicate this to people. Uh, that's something for the behavioral scientists, and they have not been involved. So, so we have this silo-based educational system. That, that, that's, one of, that's one of the problems. And economists are the worst because they, they learn absolutely nothing about how the planet works. So they put an economic and technological system on top of nature, and it worked pretty well as long as we were relatively few people and the economy was not so large. But now we have had a more than 10 times larger economy over the last 15 year, 50 years. And the uh, population has gone from 3 billion to almost 8 billion. No wonder we have problems. Uh, so we must understand how nature works. That's, that's, that must be the starting point. And that's why I'm very attracted by this, this notion of regenerative development or a regenerative economy, where you really try to understand how nature works and then work with nature, not against nature. So, so, um, and, 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 and then a, a third comment, particularly with regard to circularity, is that we have built a production system based on linear models. So we, we take... Um, we take raw materials from the earth, we make them into something, a product, and then we throw them away. Very short, uh, we don't extend product life. We have a very short product life for most of the products. And the irony is, and I've been working in the recycling industry, so I know this by, from, from experience, the irony is that very often secondary materials, they are more expensive than virgin materials. So no wonder that companies continue to do the linear model because it's easier for them and it's, and it's cheaper. And for most people, you know, the wallet pay, uh, they decides. So, so we need to, again, it's a question of cost structure. Uh, you must incentivize circularity in the right way. And you can do it by taxes and fees and rebates. For instance, if you took away VAT on, on, on reused materials, that would be give a great boost to the secondary materials market. And it would give a great boost to, to, to repair and maintenance, etc. cetera. Um, another thing is, of course, to, to put in place some kind of design requirements. Now you can put any kind of product on the European market. Uh, and we know that most, most of the design is such that you cannot really uh, reuse the materials because it's very difficult to dismantle. Look at, look at this, uh, this laptop, for instance, or my mobile phone. It's almost impossible to dismantle. And that's why they only retrieve or, or, or capture gold and, and copper. The rest is, is, is lost. So there's so much waste in this economy, both from an economic point of view and a waste and, and, and an environment and, and climate point of view. 
carbon emissions are very much related to the use of materials, not only to energy. So, so here we have a few entry points that are relatively easy. And, but the problem is that economists don't look at it this way. Yes, and that of course has an implication or an, an impact on the way the financial system, system works. works. Exactly. Yeah. And which is the core of uh, what we're trying to do here. Now, you are a politician and... Um, I was. <laughs> you were. <laughs> yeah. I left politics. I, I, for, for, uh, I understand. So, but you do know politics, you know more than I do. Uh, as a serial entrepreneur and uh, turned investor on what are the key points on how we can bring this thinking into those the political area that are basically determining how our economics and financial system and, and production and, and businesses and so on work. So, and we all know that uh, governments are the last to transform, to change. And yet we are at a fault line right now yeah. uh, where that must happen and quick. So how can we have an impact? We have an opportunity right now. People are motivated more than ever as far as I could tell. How can we get that, uh, particularly from the EU Commission point of view, from uh, the Green Deal perspective? So the... You know, I, I wouldn't single out politicians as being the, the, the worst laggards. Because there are there there are there are individuals within each and every political party that are really trying hard. I didn't say that. I, I said it's the slowest to change. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, and and of course, I think part of the part of the challenge is this globalized economy, with with very little systems of of gov governance in place, um, and you you are pretty limited as a government from what you can do on your own. That's why the European Union, by the way, is so important, because it's, it's a big enough market that you can decide and, and then have an impact on the rest of the world. So, so the European Union is, is, of course, very, very crucial. The problem is that the economy is very short-term, you know, quarterly, quarterly uh, results from companies, and, and everything is, is, is geared towards uh, dividends in the short-term. Uh, and high return on, on investments. It's a crazy system, in my opinion, because how can you, how can you uh, make that compatible with long-term, sound, sustainability-oriented investments? It, there's no way you can do that. So, so um, uh, that, 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 is, that is a real, real, real problem. Um, and then the political system in itself is very short-term. In the US, you have elections every second year. In most European countries, every fourth year, so so the the government's uh, sort of um, time horizon is most often not more than four years. So so I think we have to to look at this tension between the sh short termism and long termism, and and uh, try to insert into the system or to um, introduce into the system some kind of mechanism which forces them to be to be more long term. I mean, one idea that my friend Jürgen Randers has raised is to, to put in place a secondary chamber in, in each parliament, which is elected for 10 years and which have the long-term perspective at the core of its mandate. I know that some countries, Hungary was one of them, but it's not a good example any longer, that, that uh, put in place an ombudsman for the future. 
I think Israel has the same. I don't think Israel is a very good example either. Uh, but, but I mean, you have you have to look at governance uh, very very carefully. Um, and then, if I if I had some power, I would invite leading the leaders of political parties. I would start in Europe, perhaps, to a two or three day seminar. I would lock them in somewhere uh, in a nice place and walk them through all the challenges and and show the interlinkages. Uh, I mean, in the Club of Rome, we have we have launched first a climate emergency action plan, then a planetary emergency action plan, and we have, I think, demonstrated that that climate change and biodiversity loss are very much interlinked. You cannot solve one issue at a time; you have to look at the system, uh, and 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 the political system is not organized like that. You have a lot of infighting between different ministries. You have a lot of infighting in parliaments between different committees. I've seen it. I've, I've experienced it. In the European Parliament, there was always a, a fight between the Committee for Industry and Research and the Committee for Environment and Health. There was always a clash. Who should take the lead on, on, on issues? And you, so you need a more horizontal way of decision-making. So, so, I mean, these are, these are tricky issues, and, and you won't put them in place right now, but, but I would hope that the new European Commission, which had a good start with, with its proclamation of the Green Deal. And, and, and I think that, that paper, you can look it up, uh, 17 December on the Commission website, <clears throat> it contains all the necessary thing and it really points at the interlinkages and that you cannot solve one issue at a time. You have to have a systems perspective. So, so um, yeah, those are my, my responses. It's, it's, it's complex, and, and, and we live in a complex world, so it's, it's a question of, of managing or at least living with complexity and accept complexity. By the way, I was in a conference. You know, I wrote a book together with Ernst von Weizsäcker a few years ago where you participated also and gave your contribution called Come On, and we had a, a translation into Polish, and I was in Warsaw, to introduce that that uh, version, uh, and the scientific advisor of the president of Poland was in the room. And after my introduction, he said, "Complexity is too difficult for ordinary people. They will never understand it. So we have to make the world less complex." <laughs> and I, I sort of looked at him. I said, uh, "Okay." I said, "Good luck." Uh, well, he said, we have to stop all these uh, exponential technologies. Yeah, we have to stop them. And I said, okay, have you ever seen in history somebody stopping a development like that? Can you stop knowledge creation? Can you stop technology development? You can hopefully steer it in a, in a positive direction, but to stop it, to put a lid on it, I think is not possible. But that, that was his, his feeling. And I think, by and large, that's what guiding that, that government. Yep, I know, and that's exactly the driving force for my completing the Integral Investing book yeah. um, that I submitted to the Club of Rome because, you know, coming bottom up uh, as an entrepreneur and an AI person and a, a, a great believer in the great opportunity that exponential technologies are providing for us to address these issues, particularly starting with the existential threats. If we get involved, if we open up to the possibility that we could still, um, as human beings, in begin to comprehend 
exponential thinking and move away from the linear thinking. Because those who have these arguments stop the exponential complexity and make it simple. They ain't seen nothing yet. The technological mm. complexity is growing and COVID, as COVID-19 is showing us, this is a, an exponential threat. Mm. Pandemic, you know, they grow exponentially. So how do you see the role of the Club of Rome within the, this integrative thinking? Uh, because we do, in the Club of Rome, we do have the, the experts, the people who can embrace and are embracing complexity and provide a more simple way of understanding what is at stake. How can we find a segue toward those who are actually providing the laws and the, this, making the decisions for the various forms of economics that are currently not working so that that can shift and become more integrative so that we can include the externalities? Well, I mean, we are a think tank. We are a network of some hundred individuals. Um, by the way, I think we should have more people from the behavioral science side because that, that has been lacking. Um, and I think we have been doing a, a fair job when it comes to uh, trying to show the collision between the, the sort of human economy or the economic system on one hand and the natural systems, and that we cannot continue to, to have this uh, uh, low respect for the natural system um, and this very mechanistic uh, approach. Um, uh, but, but I think, and we have also demonstrated that we need other indicators, uh, how to measure welfare and well-being, and maybe happiness. Uh, but uh, we, we have uh, neglected, I think, the role that education and uh, science and the organization of science plays. Uh, we had a beautiful report many years ago called No Limits to Learning, which, which addressed these issues. And I think we have to revisit that. Um, then I think uh, one of the problems with a think tank like this and a network like this is that there are a lot of very strong individuals, all of them pursuing their own research, their own work, their own ideas, concepts, etc. Uh, and, and I would have liked to see uh, some of us playing more of a catalytic role so that we can bring this together. Uh, and I come to think about it uh, recently when my very close friend and a long-time member of the club, Manfred Max Neff, passed away. Manfred was a towering individual, a very, very, very interesting personality. And he had a different approach to economics. His Human Scale Economics is one of the best books I've ever read. Um, and, 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 and he never really got the recognition he should have had. Uh, in society. And, and part of the problem was that the Club of Rome didn't really back him up. We could have done that. We could have, we could have decided this year and the next year, we're going to push Manfred's ideas to the front. We didn't do that. We listened to him, we applauded him, and we said, fine. And then he went back home to Chile and, and continued to work. But, so I think we need to, um, 
you need to give uh, more more reflection to priorities and, and and to work better together and crystallize some of the important priorities and then bring them to the fore which of course is the intent of this uh, of this initiative this transdisciplinary uh, which is what I'm trying to do here, yeah. uh, approach where we go beyond the three or five minutes listening to whatever the best ideas are that people have and provide an hour and longer mm. uh, framework where people can really dig deeper into their ideas and uh, where we don't have this time pressure mm -hmm. to stay on the surface but dig deeper. Yeah. And uh, because I think today we are guided by Twitter, huh? 280 <laughs> characters. That's it. Yeah, and this is exactly the opposite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, I agree with you, and and that's one of the problems also in the media. There are very few journals today where you can uh, write longer pieces than maybe uh, 5,000 characters or 6,000 characters, and some of these issues you need maybe 25 or at least 20,000 characters to sort of explain. Um, and of course you can write a book, but how many people read your book? We, we, we need, we need um, yeah, we need other ways of uh, communication, uh, communication. So, so I, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, not only other ways of communications, of course, but also as you mentioned several times during this interview, this transdisciplinarity approach where you bring people from various walks of life, not mm -hmm. only economists or financial people or scientists or, you know, uh, you know, from technology, but also behavior. I'm, I'm a computer scientist and AI uh, major, uh, and my PhD is in, in psychology mm -hmm. um, because of that. So behavioral science is extremely important. Behavioral finance is extremely important. And um, you spoke also about the, including happiness as a measurement factor in uh, helping us move beyond GDP as the for-profit only um, mm. metrics that we're currently using. So from your point of view, let's, um, let's see who are the organizations that we should team up with that could help us because one of the things that we had in the past also is this you know the silo we talked about the silo the separation who are the partners that the club of rome should partner up with uh where we you know we can get we join forces uh, so that we can reach that tipping point because we all see that it's needed first question partner up with whom and the other is from the financial uh, perspective who do you think are the organizations that understand that have the same gravitation center of gravity that we do that we should be talking to as well well that were two difficult questions uh, um, well we i think we have developed very good relations with some of the leading scientists uh, in the natural science field uh, like the Potsdam Institute, for instance, um, like um, Bob Costanza's group in Australia, um, and uh, some institutes in, in, in the UK in the, and in the US, the Stockholm Resilience Center, etc. So, so there we, we have established very good contacts and working relationships. And I, and I think uh, our new co-president, Sandrine Dixon-Declerve, she she's done masterfully when it comes to 
to leading this process and, and, and having a lot of organizations and institutions joining us in this planetary emergency action plan. So that, that's, that's very good. But on the other, on, on, on other scientific fields or knowledge fields, I, I think our, our contacts are, are less well developed. Um, I think one of our members when it comes to finance um, is John Fullerton in, in New York, uh, the Capital Institute that he is, uh, he is running. I think that his thinking is, is very profound and, and, and he brings to the fore a lot of, of the right solutions when it comes specifically to the financial system and the financial sector, how money is created, that you cannot be, be a risk taker with other people's money. You have to, to have a certain portion of your own money, so that's the capital ratio. And then, of course, what are what, what is the money invested in? Uh, are we investing in the sound things or are we investing in the risky things? Uh, and and how do you how do you disclose uh, or share the risks you have as an investor with 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 society? So so there are many issues there that that, that we need to take on board and we need to understand better. Um, and then of course we have to 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 we have to send out or approach some of the conventional or established institutions. I mean, IMF has now a new new chair, Kristalina uh, Jordia. I happen to know her since many years. She's a very fine person. I mean, we, I think we can influence her. Um, uh, and, and of course, uh, our contacts with the European Union, the European Commission are, are very, very crucial because if we can influence policymaking there, uh, that will have an, an impact in Europe and in the world. So. So I think it's it's both reaching out to, in the short term, the established institutions, those who have the power, and in, in the longer term, we need to build good relationships with uh, unconventional thinkers. Uh, but I'm not uh, in the in the behavioral science field. Uh, I I know too little to know whom to reach out to. You know better. <laughs> Thank you. Well. But you are a complex thinker, and that's why uh, you're very important in, in this conversation, particularly because you see the correlations and how various silos interact with one another, having been in this field for so long. So it is extremely important that um, your ideas come to the forefront. Um, as you know, I and I, as I mentioned again, I believe in the importance of um, getting entrepreneurs involved um, mm -hmm. um, and from your perspective, because I believe uh, entrepreneurs do provide, particularly young people, they are already there where we want to go, where, but they don't have the, the power to have an impact on one hand. They're young people, they don't have assets, they don't have the saying, but they do have the brilliant ideas and the mindset. Uh, which is very encouraging to me because I'm an, I'm mm. uh, supporting a vast amount you know a number of women uh, in their economic empowerment. So, from your perspective, how do you think? How do you see the role that entrepreneurship plays in this entire field? Do you see a bottom-up approach to transformation coming from this field? Um, from where you stand, what is your opinion on on that? I think. I think it has to, I mean, the, the development uh, that we are striving for uh, will have to come both from top down and bottom up. 
we, we, we don't have time to wait for bottom up. Um, and I think if we wait for bottom up without some clever leadership at the top, I think that will be a, a rather nasty process uh, because there is, there, are, there is so much going on um, at the bottom. Uh, so many people are deprived of the most essential things in life. And by the way, I think this crisis has shown us that what we label now as essential services in society have been underpaid and understaffed. Uh, and instead, we pay handsome money to people in the financial sector who basically are spending their life in, in speculation. Uh, and, and of course, there are good bankers as well. But, but I think there's some some absolute almost obscenities in the system so many people suffering and 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 then a little little group not even a percent maybe half a percent uh live in another world so and and unless we transform that step by step and instead let it be a bottom up process i think it's going to be almost a revolution uh, look at look at the us today Look at the U.S. today. I mean, it, 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 I think it's scary. People with, uh, with machine guns uh, out in the street protesting uh, uh, the, the lockdown, etc. I mean, it's, it's, it seems to be a boiling pot almost. So I, I think we need both. Entrepreneurs are very important. I'm, I'm actively involved in something called Climate Kick. Kick stands for Knowledge and Innovation Communities. And, and we, are, we are set up by the European Union to, to try to promote low-carbon solutions and, and, the, and the move into a, a low-carbon society. And, and uh, many, many of our partners are young entrepreneurs and startups. And uh, that's where we find some of the brightest people and some of the best ideas. And I agree with you. What's often lacking is, uh, is, is, is resources so that they can scale up and do something useful. So, and I don't have a recipe for, for how that should happen, but governments could, of course, increase their uh, the money that they make available for startups um, and, and entrepreneurship, uh, young entrepreneurs. That type of funding is still very, very limited. And, you know, one thing I've reflected a lot about in this crisis is that when we ask now, how do we get out of the crisis? We have a tendency to, to go to the incumbents, the, the leading companies in each and every sector, and we ask them for advice. And I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that some of their advice is bad, but it's only part of the picture because they are interested in forwarding their own business interests, their existing business models, the way they <coughs> meet our needs and demands today and the technologies that are played today. You do not necessarily think out of the box if you are in that kind of a position, but, but you need to think out of the box. Uh, many of the needs we, are, we have in society can be met in other ways. And, and we can see that in some areas it's already happening. I mean, we, we, we use video conferencing much more than, than physical meetings, and I think that will stay. That will stay. We will, we will not meet physically in the same way in the future. Distance work is increasing. Uh, a lot of e-commerce is increasing. So, so <laughs> that is already happening. But, but we have to think out of the box 
and listen to those young entrepreneurs and innovators because they often provide the solutions, but, but they are not necessarily part of the incumbents. Yes, you mentioned that the government should provide more uh, funding for young entrepreneurs, which make up, uh, or small and medium enterprises in a broader sense, which make up between 60 and 80% of the GDP in uh, every nation across the world. One of the problems with the current models, and I've raised this issue on numerous occasions within Club of Rome meetings, is that the money that is being made available is goes through the banks, mm-hmm. of course, uh, you know, and and asking them to distribute it to the to those uh, you know who um, who are building companies. The problem with that that banks, the way the this trickle down system doesn't really work because the money doesn't reach those that uh, entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. need it because the the banks have different requirements to providing risk capital to enterprises to smart uh, I know. I've been struggling with I've been struggling with the solar energy company for a decade yeah and finally we went bankrupt Exactly. That's what's yeah. happening. And I witness that on a, on a, on a regular basis. And I, mm-hmm. you know, my family office has put all of our money, you know, to really change the system, but we are, we're, we're limited, you know, so we mm-hmm. need, we need support in this. And that begins with the mind shift. So some other models need to come uh, to the forefront right now. We have a, a great opportunity right now to change that. If that doesn't mm-hmm. work. You know, it's not only it's not only the money that goes via the banks. I mean, look at the EU research budget. Um, it's a it's something right like hundred billion euros over a six to seven year period. So it's a lot of money. Fifteen to twenty billion euros every year is being distributed. It's very difficult for a small company or a small startup to have access. Because you need to put in your own money, you, you need to put in maybe 50%. Um, and you need to have some, uh, you know, performance uh, indicators that show that, that, that you are credible and that you have uh, achieved results in the past, etc. So, so the whole system is geared towards, again, incumbents, not towards the new companies. So I agree with you. Here we could do a lot. Yeah. And I think we should uh, maybe uh, write a, a, a report to the European Commission and say, look, here are some things you have to think about when you distribute this kind of funding. Which is um, hopefully the, the intention, which is not hopefully, this is the intention of this initiative, uh, changing finance and financing change uh, of the uh, finance hub mm. in the Club of Rome. So... Thank you so much. Uh, I know you're uh, short on time uh, for today, so I really appreciate your contributions here. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm in fact going to participate in a, in a, in a seminar on uh, how to use biomass more intelligently in the future and the concept of biorefineries. And you know, that is a critical issue because there, if you look at each and every sector in society, there is this thinking that you can replace fossil-based materials and products with forest-based materials. And some of that is very positive. But if that demand uh, is too high, you will ruin the forests, you will uh, uh, reduce the forest sink of carbon. So you you have to find, uh, strike a good balance. Uh, And it's a fascinating topic. Um, And a lot of innovation is going on. 
but uh, we need a policy framework that that uh, balances all these different interests where biodiversity is one of them. Yes, and I, I've been an investor in biofuels for a long time, and this is uh, a very complex issue. And I, as you know, I've been invest in an mm. investor in uh, load balancing and smart grid development in Germany after the Energiewende announcement of the German Chancellor. Mm. So mm. this is a uh, a, a long conversation, uh, but the system does not support startups like uh, like like us no, in, in no. doing this at this. So yeah, so this is the beginning of a long road. Uh, one last uh, uh, advice that you would like to give us before we close. Well, I think that uh, since this is about finance, uh, I think uh, there are a few very critical issues. Uh, given that we have already discussed the macroeconomic framework. Uh, and one is how money is created. Uh, the second is uh, with whose money are you a risk taker, uh, the, the ratio. I, I, I remember I read this book, uh, The Banker's New Clothes, after the uh, financial crisis in 2012 or 2013. It opened all my, it really opened my eyes when I could see that, that, that only couple of percentage of the money that was being offered was really the bank's own money. The rest was just risk-taking. And when that happens, the debts build up. And, uh, and then you come to the government when you are in, 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 a, in a problem situation. So, so you privatize the profits and uh, you socialize the losses. It's, it's, I think it's, it's an absurd situation. So, so there's something has to happen. Um, thirdly, uh, we need to uh, make sure that long-term investments to build up an infrastructure that is regenerative really have uh, sufficient resources. Um, and, and here, of course, the financial sector and the private financial finance has a, has a major role to play. Finally, I think you have to cut the link between pure speculative capital and retail banking. Um, because that, the, these are too mixed now, and, and that's very, very risky. So those are a few, um, few ideas. Wonderful. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful day. We'll um, be in touch. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.